Well, let me open this in prayer and we'll get started today, guys. Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, God, thank you for every man in this room and the guys that are on the Zoom call, Lord, as we, uh, uh, as we celebrate your grace in our lives. We also are reminded uh, of what, um, what you have called us to do and where you want us to be. And so, uh, God, as we journey forward in uh, uh, thinking about the idea and looking at an incredible biblical example of a man who failed, he failed early, failed often, failed fast, but he also failed forward. And so, God, we uh, thank you for that and look forward uh, to, um, uh, to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, as we, uh, as we started last week, you'll remember uh, looking to uh, God's Word and looking through God's Word. Uh, we, we had this idea of, as men, we're all going to fail, right? Uh, there are going to be times that we fail in our life, whether it's uh, relationally or morally or uh, just fell in business or fell in life or fell in practice, fell in whatever it is. Uh, and, and the truth is, uh, as we fail, we want to learn how to fail forward. We want to learn how to fail forward. In other words, keep pursuing what God has for us. And uh, if, you've, uh, if you've failed, uh, I want to encourage you, hey man, let's fail forward. Let's move forward. What does God still have for us? And God always has something for us. And I shared with you last week as we started this uh, that, you know, Churchill said, uh, true success is just moving from one failure to the next failure without losing enthusiasm. And uh, I don't know how uh, true that is about your life or my life, but there is a reality that, hey, when we fail, we sometimes just have to go on to the next failure, to the next thing, until we ultimately find our success. And I told you last week that there were five statements as I was praying through and preparing uh, for this series as we look through the life of Peter and look at the idea of him falling forward. I said there were kind of five statements that um, underpin uh, where uh, I think um, God wants us to go and what He wants to remind us of. And then we're going to see all of these five ideas that, are, that can be found in Peter's life, either in good ways or in bad ways. Not, idea what number one was this. I believe that men often or oftentimes are in a state of confusion about how or if God can use them after they fail that uh, if a man fails in a relationship or in a marriage or morally or in a business or uh, in uh, his character and his integrity, I think there are a lot of times that guys get in a state of confusion that we wonder, can God use me again? Can I be used by God again? And as we're going to see through the life of Peter and through this series, the clear answer is absolutely. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how often you've fallen or how far you've fallen. God can still use you. Here's a second thought that I think that sometimes paralyzes us as men. I believe that some men are confused um, by their failure so much that they settle into a state of passivity after their failure and aren't used by God. In other words, I think that oftentimes we wonder, can God use me? Or other guys fail, we, we blow up a marriage, we blow up a job, we, we, we lose our integrity, lose character, we fail in some way, somehow, um, with some idea, and what happens is we get in a state of confusion and we become passive. And, and, and instead of us failing forward, instead of us moving on to the next uh, opportunity or the next thing, we become passive. One, because we don't want that to happen again, Two, if we find ourselves in a leadership position, you know that people are going to point out your past failures. And so we move into a state of passivity. I want you to know at Cottonwood Creek, 
um, we want every man to be active. I want you to be moving towards doing something for God in His kingdom, in your church, uh, to serve other people. Here's the third idea that kind of underpins everything that I share uh, over the next couple of weeks and even last week. I believe um, that when we have failed, that too many men then settle for less than God's best for your life that we settle for less than God's best. And sometimes uh, that comes out of a humility that has been instructed by our failure. Sometimes I believe it comes from a lack of understanding of really the fact that God's grace can move in our lives and we can move back to where God wants us to be. And so as we think about failing forward, I want you to know if we're gonna fail forward in a biblical sense, uh, that, that we don't have to settle for less than God's best in our life. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, you don't have to settle for less than God's best in your life. And I will tell you, Cottonwood Creek, uh, you don't have to be a man that if you have failed in your past, that we are going to hold you back, that we are going to even let you settle for less than God's best in your life. We are constantly going to challenge you to move forward. Here's thought number four that kind of underpins this whole idea uh, of failing forward. As I believe confused men oftentimes uh, lose a compelling vision for who God wants them to be. That we lose a compelling vision for who God wants us to be. We've just kind of forgotten uh, what our passion is. We've forgotten uh, about uh, the man we wanted to be sometime. You know, I, I will tell you, there are times in my life where uh, I think that I'm the man that I wanted to be. There are other times in my life I wonder if I'm ever going to be the man I want to be. Am I the only one that's confused about that from time to time? You know, I think there are times that when we go through failures in our life that we lose a compelling vision for who God wants us to be and how much God wants us to be used by Him and how much God wants us to be used to influence other men, other women, other people for the faith. And here's the fifth idea. I believe uh, the Bible tells us everything that we need to know about overcoming our failures, our confusion, and our passivity in order to be the great men of God that God wants us to be. And those are kind of the five underpinnings of really where this series came from is I truly believe as I've counseled with guys and I've had cups of coffee or had breakfast or lunch or talked to them about what's going on in their life, man, those themes kind of come up. And uh, many times guys don't confess to passivity, I just notice it. Uh, there are times that guys will confess to, man, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be anymore. They're, they, they, will, they will confess to the fact that, uh, man, I don't have a compelling vision for my life anymore. I did at one point, but I don't anymore. I think um, that oftentimes guys are in fact confused and they'll share it with me. Man, pastor, here's what I've done. No one really knows this, but I, I did this. And they wonder if God can use them. And so hopefully I can clear up over the next couple of weeks all that confusion and all that passivity and all the, uh, the lack of vision and encourage every man in this room Every man who is sitting in this room, listening on Zoom, or will listen to it later via the podcast to truly become the man God wants you to be even after you fail. 
Now, if you missed last week, we started off talking about Peter, and uh, we talked about Peter's pride. And, and I will tell you, there is nothing wrong uh, with having uh, pride, men. There is nothing wrong. Now, we need, to, we need to match it with humility, right? But I want you to know that there is nothing wrong uh, with being men of pride. I will also tell you this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a selfish man. That doesn't sound like something a pastor would say, but I want you to hear me. There is nothing wrong with being a selfish man as long as your selfishness leads to an unselfish life. Does that make sense? And, and here's what I mean by that. That uh, I think a lot of men in life, they're either selfish, they're stupid, or they're a burden. Now, now, all of a sudden, being selfish sounds good, doesn't it, right? If those are the three options, to be selfish, stupid, or a burden. Well, none of us want to be a burden to society, right? Right. None of us want to be a burden to society. Uh, none of us want to be stupid, right? What does it mean to be selfish, but let your selfishness lead to an unselfish nature? Well, there's nothing wrong with being selfish about protecting and providing for your family first. How many of you understand that is an okay way to be selfish? Let me tell you what, as your pastor, my wife will tell you that I'm about as unselfish with my time and sometimes her time as anybody that walks the face of the earth. But I will tell you, she will also tell you that I am incredibly selfish when it comes to loving and protecting my family and providing for my family. Do you understand? Selfish is okay as long as it leads to a right-minded unselfishness. And so, guys, we need some pride, and part of that pride is pride in what we do, pride in what we say, pride in how we live, pride in how we act, pride in what we achieve. So it's not a bad thing to have some pride in your workmanship, in your relationships, in your character, in your integrity, and in your life. Now, we don't want pride to run our lives and rule our lives so we become so arrogant no one else can stand to be in the room with us. Nor do we want our selfishness to be so selfish that it never leads to a generous unselfishness. Because here's what I know, and it's in your life, and, and I'm in a little different business than y'all are. Uh, you, you, you don't surrender to the ministry because you think it's going to make you rich. Uh, well, you don't surrender to non-TV ministry and think it's going to make you rich. All right, so I understand that there are some people who've done a fine job on TV of, uh, uh, of making the ministry great. Now, it's interesting, you go all the way back to Philippians chapter 1, and the Apostle Paul talked about that. We're not going to be there today. Some of y'all love y'all. Y'all open the Bible. Y'all know I'm using In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is in prison. How many of you know that's where he's, where he's writing from? He's in prison, and he's writing to the people in Philippi, and he says, some people preach the gospel because they are greedy for gain. Hey, there were TV evangelists back in Paul's day. They didn't have TV, but what they had figured out is how to roll from one town to the other town to the next town to the next town and preach the gospel and get paid for it. Paul's sitting here going, Paul's sitting here going, I wasn't that smart. He says, I preached it with a clear conscience, not being greedy for gain, out of integrity and character. And let me tell you what, how many of you think Paul was proud of his ministry? Man, let me tell you what, Paul was proud of his ministry, but his pride 
was followed by an unselfish action towards anyone and everyone. How many times did Paul defend his ministry, right? How many of you know? Look through his, his epistles. People were always attacking his ministry. And there were times that Paul would demonstrate his pride and he would say, he goes, I've done more than they did. I've led more to the Lord. I've done more than this. I've done more than that. I've done, he goes, I'll lay my credentials out against anybody's. And guys, it is not a bad thing for us to live with an honest pride when we've done something good. Now, there were other times that when Paul was dealing with prideful people, go look at 1 Corinthians, he, he says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. How many of you remember that? He goes, some of you say I was baptized by this person, and some of you say I was baptized by that person, and some of you said this. And Paul what? When he dealt with pride, he demonstrated humility. See, that's what it means as men for us to live with a pride and a selfishness, that we are proud of the good things and the good work that we do. And we are selfish in protecting those things that we truly love. But our pride and selfishness leads then to an unselfishness that I'm not only going to provide for my own family, I'm going to provide for others in my community. I'm going to provide for others that I love. Now, so we talked last week about the fact is that Peter's pride got him in, prob in problems. Early in his life, he was a prideful man. He was a man who thought, I'm the best of all the best. We looked at this last week in Matthew chapter 26. That in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said, listen, uh, you're going to deny me, Peter. And Peter looks around at the other disciples in the room. And he says, hey, even if all these guys deny you, I'll not deny you. Jesus said, you will. And sure enough, he did. And remember, Peter went back. He went back to his old lifestyle as a failure. Jesus showed up in John chapter 21. We looked at this last week, and you missed last week. You can go find it online on our podcast. That Jesus showed up and talked Peter in to failing forward. In other words, use your failure to spring forward to the next thing. And so Jesus showed up, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He says, Peter, do you love me? He goes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, tend my sheep. Guess what? He's saying, let your failure lead you to fail forward, but add a little humility and unselfishness to that, right? I mean, when Peter stood up in front of the other disciples and said, even if all these guys deny you, I won't, that was arrogance. That wasn't pride. That was selfishness. That wasn't unselfishness. And so Jesus looked at him and he said, hey, lead my sheep. And so Jesus showed up in his life and he says, listen, I want you to fail forward. And so as we think about Christ showing up in his life, maybe Christ is showing up in your life right now. And you've let the failures in, life, in your life let you question whether God can use you or let you drift into passivity or let you become confused about a compelling vision in your life. Well, I want you to know that Jesus shows showing up to every man in this room today, every man on Zoom today, every man listening to this podcast, and he says, it's time to fail, but fail forward. He says, do you love me? And whatever measure you love him, Jesus has a job for you to do. Jesus has a job for you to do. And when Jesus, all three times to Peter saying, yes, I love you, Jesus then said, go do this. 
yes, I love you, go do this. Yes, I love you, go do this. And so we Peter, see Peter now picking up after John chapter 21. And if you jump over, this is where we're going to be, Justin. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 16, and uh, pull up all the way to verse 26. Verse 16 all the way to 26. So here, Peter has failed in front of all the disciples by bragging to Jesus that he would not, that he would not, um, that he, he would not at all um, deny Christ. And sure enough, he denies Christ. And then he gets embarrassed in front of all the other believers. And in spite of that, Jesus shows up and says, I've got some work for you to do. And we find Peter, and we meet Peter again in Acts chapter 1, and he becomes kind of the de facto leaders, leader of the men he had failed right in front of. And so let's pick it up, reading uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 16. All right, so now let me just give you a context. Right before this, in Acts chapter 1, uh, what we see is Jesus gathers, gathers the disciples together. He's about to be taken back up into heaven. And um, what we see is that Jesus looks at the disciples and He says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Right? That's exactly what Jesus said. Then it says that Jesus was called up into heaven. He was called up into heaven. Acts chapter 1, you can go read it before we get to verse 16. Then it says the disciples stood there gazing into heaven. And what did the men from heaven say to them? Why stand ye gazing? In other words, the, they were saying, listen, stop looking up here. The world down there needs you. And guys, I'll say the same thing to every man in this room, every guy listening. Stop just looking into heaven because the world down here needs godly men. The world down here needs good men. The world down here needs you. And He needs you, and He needs you, and He needs all of you. That's what God wants. And so here we see Peter, after failing, Jesus meeting him and forgiving him, and then encouraging him to fail forward. Notice what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 16. It says, In those days... Peter stood up among the other believers. Now, this is a group numbering, a group numbering about 120. Uh, and it says, And said, Brothers and sisters, the Scripture has been fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David, talking about the Old Testament prophecy, concerning Judas, who did what? Who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. So Peter, now is pointing out, remember Judas, uh, he's not with us anymore, right? He says, he was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Peter's reminding the disciples that there are those who from time to time can look like they are of us, but they are not of us. There are times that people can temporarily stick, but they won't have staying power if they don't have the Spirit of God in their lives. I'm going to say that again. There are times that people can temporarily stick but they will not have staying power if they don't have the Spirit of God in their lives. Why? Because life's too hard and being devoted to God takes too much if you don't have God's Spirit constantly drawing you. And if there's a man here that you've never come to the place where you've trusted Christ as Savior and Lord and the Spirit of God and dwelling in your heart and your life, I want you to know now is the time and today is an opportunity. 
And so as we read on, he says, He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And then you just uh, skip a few verses there. Verse 18, 19, 20 talks about David's prophecy in the Old Testament. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, David said, man, Jesus would be sold out by one of his friends by a few pieces of silver. Judas was the fulfillment of the prophecy Jesus knew all along. Remember, if you go back to the upper room when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he, he knew who was going to betray Him and when He was going to betray Him and how He was about to be betrayed. He, he kind of looked at Him and says, Hey, whatever you do, do quickly. So none of that was a surprise to Jesus. It was part of God's ultimate plan. And, G, and Judas then went out and hung himself. Now let's pick it up reading in verse 21. He says, Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to this time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of His resurrection. So they nominated two men. Everybody say two. So two dudes were nominated. All right. Now notice the qualifications. They had to have been with them all the way from Jesus' baptism. All right. Now, the, the, the New Testament speaks a lot about the twelve, right? The disciples. But all the way from Jesus' baptism, there were other disciples that were hanging around. There were other disciples that were coming and going. And so what Peter says is becoming the de facto leader after a failure, that is failing forward, folks. Guys, that is failing forward. He steps back up and he goes, Guys, Jesus chose 12. We got 11. Let's have 12. And he says, we want to choose someone. And he's looking around. By the way, these 120 men are in the room. He goes, let's don't choose. And some of them probably were new since the resurrection. He goes, let's have someone that was all the way back with us from the baptism forward. And they can be ultimately one of the disciples that will advance the kingdom of God, the New Testament church on this earth. And it says, so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. Now, I don't know what kind of checkered past this dude had, but he had several aliases. Kind of reminds me of most of the deacons in our church, right? He had a couple of aliases, you know, hey, I'm going I'm to be known as Justice over here in Allen because Barsabbas is known pretty well over in Wiley or something like that. And so he, he's got a bunch of names. And Matthias. So Matthias lived a pretty good life. He had one name. All right. And so he dominated two dudes. All right. How many guys do they need? One. But two are nominated. Guess what that means? Already, someone's going to win and someone's going to fail. We know that now. And guys, right here, these are some guys that loved God. And two dudes were nominated. I'll submit to you that both of them were worthy or they wouldn't have been nominated. But only one's getting chosen. And guys, before we even go read the rest of the story, there might be someone in this room that you've wanted a position or you've been nominated for something or you've been nominated for a deacon at a church and for some reason you did not get chosen. And you've been bitter, and you've been backslidden, and you've lost 
a clear vision for who God wants you to be all because you weren't the one that is chosen, I want you to know either one of these guys could have been chosen. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened to the loser here in a few seconds, and that's going to be the point of the message today. Because remember, part of what we're trying to do is to recreate a compelling vision for who God wants us to be even after our failure. But let's read the story and notice what it says. It says, Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. Show us one of the two that you've chosen. Now, all right, let's make this worse. Whoever's about to lose the roll of the dice wasn't just rejected by the 11 disciples. God said no, all right? I don't know about you. Uh, I can take you guys turning your back on me. I mean, y'all do it all the time. But God's the one that ultimately said, I want this dude and not that dude. Now, does that hurt worse or less? I, I don't know, right? I don't know, because when we look down and we read, it says, uh, to take over the apostolic ministry, verse 25, which Judas left to go. Now, I, I, love, I love Peter's statement here. Boy, you want to talk about twist the knife or tighten the noose? Either one of them. He does it right here. To go where he belongs. All right, there. you ever thought that? You ever had a business encounter with someone and you walked off and you say, I wish he'd go where he belongs? Don't ever say that about anybody in church. But, I mean, that's just kind of the dude in me. To go where he belongs. Man, can you imagine how, that's exactly how the disciples felt, right? Dude, you just betrayed the guy we, we've sold out to. And, and you did it in front of our very eyes. And then look at verse 26. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. What about the one not chosen? What about the other dude? Some of you may know here, but uh, some of you may not. Let me tell you what church history tells us this dude did. He stayed a disciple. He continued to preach. He ultimately, even though he had been a follower of Jesus all the way from his baptism, he was part of a large group of disciples that were still following Jesus after the resurrection, that uh, he was nominated, which is an impressive thing, right? One of two men that were nominated. And if you think about it this way, I mean, the 12, that was kind of the dream team. Remember the first dream, dream teams that we had in basketball? Man, you'd have the dream team, and they, they would choose the 12. And then they would always come out with this dude who was the alternate, who was kind of like the legacy NBA guy that you're like, yeah, he ain't no alternate. He, that was just a high and mighty. I mean, this guy was the alternate to the alternate, right? He, he, had, he was pretty far down on the list, especially at the top of the list. Well, there was at the top of the list. So this guy who had followed Jesus all this time came to this point. It, it, his lots were cast. I believe that God controlled the lot. God wanted Matthias. Now, I don't know why God chose Matthias over Justice, Barsabbas, or whatever else they called him. Perhaps God knew 
that Justice Bersabbas or Bersabbas Justice could take the loss and would keep serving him. So God allowed the lots fall on the other guy. I don't know that. But guys, perhaps God has let you lose somewhere along the way because you knew, He knew, you had a heart that would stay in the game. That God knew you had a heart that would stay in the game. And so let me tell you what this guy did. Is after his failure and after the rejection, he, he went to a Palestine village that's about 13 miles northwest of Hebron. It ended up being a major Roman trade route. There were seven masterful trade routes, major trade routes that rolled through Rome into this one city. It was a burgeoning place. And he began to preach the gospel right there. It is said that he preached the gospel so well that this city, that uh, its name uh, was in Aramaic, was Beth Garbra, which means the house of the mighty one. When the Romans took over this city, before Jesus, uh, back in the B.C. times, they changed the name. It was such an important name. They changed the name to a Greek name, which means city of the free. That means that it was free of taxation. It was free of regulation. It was free of Roman control. And they gave it local control. Why? Because all of these trade routes came in and the Rome was making so much money because this city had incredible museums, had aqueducts in it, had all of these places that just brought revenue to Rome that they called it actually a free city. And this guy who lost the vote continued to serve God and failed forward and preached the gospel so much so that if you go read church history books, He's referred to as the bishop of that city. Guys, he didn't make the pages of the New Testament again. But the pages of history have this guy's name written all over it. As the guy who could have Sulked after failing. He could have walked away from God and God's call on his life. He could have moved into passivity and just crossed his arms and said, you know what, I gave it my best, I'm done. But instead, he said, I'm still serving the resurrected Lord that I started following back at his baptism back in the Jordan. When John the Baptist put him under, brought him up, he said, I said, I'm following Jesus the rest of my life. And guys, my encouragement to you today is if you feel like that in your life, somehow the dice rolled someone else's way, the lot didn't roll your way, my invitation to you is to fail forward.
is to look at an incredible example of Peter whose pride caused him to fail, but ultimately God's grace in his life and Jesus' grace in life moved him from passivity to activity. To ultimately appoint another man to become the new 12th man on the dream team of disciples. But there was a 13th man that encountered more failure. But that guy, all he did was roll down the road and lead an entire, entire Roman city to Christ. You want to know how faithful this dude was? Church history also says that he was martyred. He preached the gospel till his last breath. Guys, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is we would be those kind of men. That we would fail forward regardless of how the roll of the dice turns out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity just to serve you and honor you and glorify you. God, I thank you for the guys on Zoom. I thank you for the guys in this room. And I thank you for the guys that will listen to this on the podcast. God, I pray that if there are times in our life, or maybe this is the season and time, where we feel like we've been passed over by something, or we've been passed over for something, or we feel like someone else has been chosen and we haven't, God, I pray that we would all be reminded in this room that you still have a plan for every man who has not been chosen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day.